Good evening. I'm Barbara Schreiner Trudell. And now for the good news. <laughs> when I saw that TikTok, I just couldn't help myself. It was so fun. Senior living residents recreate Rihanna's Super Bowl halftime show. How great is that? The uh, senior living Bowling Green in Kentucky have become TikTok stars after their latest video went viral on the social media platform. About a month ago, Paige Oaks, the community relations director at Arcadia, launched a TikTok page for the community. She said the residents have had so much fun making videos. We started with the TikTok to the new Miley Cyrus hit Flowers, she said. That TikTok kind of lit a spark under us and we get even more creative and keep doing it. So after Rihanna's Super Bowl performance, Oaks knew that was her next move. So what a joy. What a great way to start the good news is seeing people living in such joy and uh, uh, oh, I love that so much. Who said TikTok isn't a great thing? <laughs> All righty. Well, we've often heard, I, I know I've heard of the Rainbow Bridge poem many times, but didn't know where it originated. Ah, but we do now. Around the U.S. and Canada and U.K., dozens of animal hospitals have a catch-all when it comes to grieving pet parents who have lost a furry friend, and they give them the poem Rainbow Bridge. Yes, this poem that has touched millions of people's hearts has remained largely authorless for years until the sleuth work of an art historian and cat owner, Paul Kudarnas. I probably spelled that wrong. My apologies, Paul, or spelled it, said it wrong, who managed to turn up the original poet decades after Rainbow Bridge became famous. Her name is Edna Kleinrecki, an 82-year-old Scottish artist and animal lover who traveled the world and failed to notice her poem's popularity. The story begins with him researching pet cemeteries and the constant reference to the Rainbow Bridge and looking back over the use, uh, the cases that he determined it is the single most important text in animal mourning. How sweet is that? <laughs> Makes me emotional because I have some senior pets in my house. So here's the original text. Just this side of heaven is a place called Rainbow Bridge. When an animal dies that has been especially close to someone here, your pet goes, okay, I can't even read it. How fun is that? Your pet goes to the Rainbow Bridge. There are meadows and hills for all of our special friends so they can run and play together. There's plenty of food, water, and sunshine, and friends are warm and comfortable. All the animals who have been ill and old are restored to health and strength. Those who were hurt are made better and strong again, like we remember them before they go to heaven. They are happy and content except for one small thing. They each miss someone very special to them who had to be left behind. They all run and play together, but the day comes when one suddenly stops and looks into the distance. 
Holy moly, why did I decide to do this story? His bright eyes are shining, his body shakes. Suddenly he begins to run from the herd, rushing over the grass, his legs carrying him faster and faster. When you and your special friend finally meet, you cuddle in a happy hug, never to be apart again. You and your pet are in tears, as am I. Your hands again cuddle his head and you look again into his trusting eyes. So long gone from life, but never absent from your heart. And then, wow, then you cross the rainbow bridge together. Whew, okay, let's find a new story. <laughs> oh my goodness gracious. Well, this is a lovely story. This is a story of a U.S. warship that has been renamed after uh, gentleman Robert Smalls, a former slave made Civil War hero. So his ties to the U U.S. Navy, he escaped slavery by hijacking a steamship. He joined the Yankee Navy and eventually served five consecutive terms in Congress. In 1839, Robert Smalls was born into slavery in South Carolina. He became a skilled sailor and was an expert navigator of Southern coasts. Conscripted in 1862 to serve as the pilot of the Confederate steamer Planter at Charleston, he executed a daring escape out of the heavily fortified Charleston Harbor. He carried with him his family, other enslaved people, and valuable military cargo on board and successfully surrendered planter to the U.S. Navy. The then, he then had a career as pilot for several ironclads, became the first African-American in history to do so for the Navy, and he eventually returned to Captain Planter after the war. What a great story to begin. You know, as we close out Black History Month, we need to remember that Black history doesn't end at the end of February. We continue on honoring the lives of so many remarkable individuals. Well, this story is hilarious, I think. <laughs> this is a letter that was mailed in 1916 and was <laughs> delivered to its destination more than a century later. Wow. The correspondence arrived at its intended address in Hamlet Road, South London, much to the bewilderment of the current occupants. We noticed that the year on it was 16, so we thought it was 2016, Finley Glenn told CNN. Then we noticed that the stamp was a king rather than a queen, so we felt that it couldn't have been 2016. Glenn told CNN that the letter arrived at the property a couple of years ago, but he has only recently taking it, taken it to the local historical society so they can research it further. The envelope has a one-pence stamp bearing the head of King George V. The letter was sent in the middle of World War I more than a decade before Queen Elizabeth II was even born. Once we realized it was very old, we felt that it was okay to open up the letter, said Glenn, age 27. Under the Postal Services Act 2000, it is a crime to open mail not addressed to you. But Glenn said he can only apologize if he's committed a crime. After realizing that the letter may be of historical interest, he gave it to the Norwood Review, a local uh, quarterly magazine. As a local historian, I was amazed and delighted to have the details of the letter passed to me, said Stephen Oxford, editor of the magazine. 
The letter was addressed to my dear Katie, who, according to Oxford, was the wife of a local stamp magnate, Oswald Marsh. It was written by Christabel Menel, the daughter of tea merchant Henry Took Menel, while her family was on holiday in on holiday in Bath in Western England. In the letter, Menel writes, I've been most miserable here with a very heavy cold. The neighborhood of South London was a hub of business activity at that time. Wow, what a remarkable thing that a hundred years after the fact, more than a hundred years after the fact, this letter finally gets delivered. Not to the person intended it to, but what a great piece of history that that will be in that historical society. So I love that. Love it, love it. All right, so the Parisian opera house that inspired Phantom of the Opera becomes an Airbnb. All right, sign me up. I want to go and visit that. Look at this place. It is beautiful. For a limited time only, a Parisian opera house box seat typically reserved for visiting dignitaries is being transformed into an Airbnb and priced for the ridiculously reasonable £37 per night. Wow. The Palais Garnier Opera House feature captures all the stunning opulence of La Belle Epoque and was used as the inspiration for Phantom of the Opera. Opening tomorrow at midday for reservations on July 16th, uh, the Box of Honor has been transformed into a lavish suite. The stunt is part of Airbnb's partnership with the European cities to give a boost to its heritage tourism sectors that have fallen behind over the last few years. Along with renting out the boxes, the Parisian Natural Op National Opera wants to develop a streaming platform. Wow, and look at that place. Is that stunning or what? Along with a one-night stay in the Box of Honor, the ticket includes a tour of hidden areas in the Palais, rarely seen by the public, including the opera's incredible private archives and famous underground lake featured in the Phantom of the Opera. Wow, how cool is that? The Phantom of the Opera, such a great, great uh, play. I took my kids to it many years ago and just loved it. It was so fun. So fun. Okay. Madison, Wisconsin. Well, they're having a little bit of fun with the snow. I like that. They held a contest to name their snowplow equipment. Can you imagine? <laughs> Let's name this stuff that's going to get us out and moving again. So they did a public vote. Citizens voted on the name of four different machines, a quad axle brine truck, a trackless bike plow, bike plow, <laughs> a bike path plow, a dual wing plow truck, and a loader with plow and wing. Turnout was fantastic. We received well over 3,000 votes for these four pieces of equipment. Well, here are the results. The quad axle brine truck is called Saltimus Prime. <laughs> I love it. The MT7 trackless bike path plow, Snowby One Kenobi. <laughs> the dual wing plow truck is Dolly Plowton. I don't know if she'll love that, but you never know. I think she's got a good sense of humor. And the loader with plow and wing is Seymour Pavement. <laughs> that one's my favorite. 
Last year, the city of Wisconsin held a contest to name its trash and recycling compactors. The electric trash compactor was named Rosie the Rubbisher, and the recycling compactor was named Stone Cold Squeeze-Often. <laughs> you gotta love when cities get creative and decide to have some fun. Well, we're going to take a short little commercial break here, and we'll be right back. You're watching The Good News. And we're back. Well, I'll tell you, you know, we learned a lot through COVID. And one of the things we learned is the distance that our medical professionals will go to ensure the health, the strength, the vitality of the patients. Well, here's a doctor that went a few steps further than normal. A marathon was blocking the delivery route for an organ donor and the surgeon ran through the race to get it. How cool is that? So in a story that only those who live in the colonial cities of America's East will understand, a surgeon ran about a mile to and from a hospital to pick up a liver for his patient after a courier's route was blocked, not only by Philadelphia's strange grid system, but thousands of marathon runners. Uh, 66-year-old Charles Rowe was waiting on an operating table with his surgeon, Adam Bodzen. And he was slated for a liver transplant that day to save his life from complications due to hepatitis C. Time ticked by until Roe was surprised to hear that Bozen was going out the door to get the liver himself. Meanwhile, an out-of-town van driver for Philly-based Gift of Life donor program was having trouble negotiating the one-way streets, half blocks, and diagonals of Philadelphia city center when it became clear that his route to Thomas Jefferson University Hospital would be blocked by this half marathon at two separate points. Uh, 
Event organizers and police have access points for emergencies going towards the hospital, but the courier couldn't find them even after consulting police. Clad in sneakers and teal scrubs, Bodson weaved his way at full run from the hospital entrance near 11th and Chestnut Streets through the stream of runners on Lombard Street and then another block to South Street. Reaching the driver and taking the sealed container with the liver on ice, he zigzagged back the same way, earning what must have been more than a few curious stares before hitching a ride with the police back to the hospital on the other side of the marathon route. Thanks to Bodzin's quick thinking, they managed to transplant the liver successfully an hour after the time when a liver begins to, de to deteriorate. Roe made a full recovery and left the hospital six days later. Woohoo! Medical professionals. Wow. You rock. That was outstanding. Well, here's a sweet story. Again, science making its way out in the world and, and uh, changing, changing things that, you know, not so long ago could not be changed. So a toddler is the first to be cured of a rare, deadly condition uh, by them replacing um, a faulty gene with a new gene. So here's, here's the story of this one. It's fascinating. A 19-month-old girl has become the first person to be cured of a rare and deadly condition using a new therapy that inserts functional versions of a faulty gene into the patient's bone marrow. Teddy Shaw is now predicted to live a long, normal, healthy life thanks to this cure for MLD. I'm not going to try and say the name of the disease. Teddy is doing absolutely brilliantly, her mother, Allie, told the Guardian. She is walking, running, a chatterbox, absolutely no signs so far of MLD. She's an absolute character and has everyone around her laughing all the time. She is a little cutie patootie. The cure happens to be the most expensive drug in the world called Libmeldi. It corrects the copies of faulty genes which cause MLD after a patient's stem cells are removed. The cells are then treated with Libmeldi and they are replaced in the patient's bone marrow. This is a huge moment of hope for parents and their babies born with this devastating inherited disorder. They can now be treated with a single round of revolutionary treatment. And that is very cool. So previous data on Libmaldi has shown as far as eight years post-treatment, it's corrected the underlying genetic problems entirely. The drug costs over $3 million. But the NHS came to an agreement with Orchard Therapeutics to substantially mark it down on Teddy's behalf. Orchard CEO Bobby Gaspar said the price represents the costs that were required to develop, test, and get the drug approved when considering there might only be seven or eight diagnoses in England in a year. It's also a fair bit less than the 10-year cost of the standard care for an MLD patient who gradually lose motor function and control of their senses. Uh, rates of MLD vary between North America and European populations and could potentially between one in 40,000 live births 
and maybe one in 150,000. So it's part of a family illness and uh, called lysosomal storage diseases. Similar therapies to libmaldi are thought to be potential treatments for many LSDs, including a whole list of diseases that I'm not even gonna go into, and all of which are rare, rarely screened for at birth and typically, typically only affect infants and are fatal over five to 10 years. Wow, so how beautiful for this family that they get their baby back healthy and vibrant and cute as a button. I love that, love that story. Well, here's an interesting story that I got from LGBTQ Nation. An out congressman gave an impassioned tribute to Beyonce on the House floor. He says she stood up for voting rights, for feminism, for women and girls, for my community, the LGBTQ plus community. Wow. So newly elected out Congressman Robert Garcia took to the House floor Wednesday to deliver an impassioned tribute to Beyonce. Garcia's brief speech was meant to mark both the end of Black History Month and the beginning of Women's History Month because we are in the month of women. So she's an icon, she's a legend, and she's now and forever the moment. I want to celebrate none other than who I believe is the most undisputed queen of pop and R&B, Beyonce Knowles Carter. Garcia said, noting that the Break My Soul singer had recently won her 32nd Grammy, making her the artist with the most Grammy wins of all time. Wow, I didn't know that. Uh, Beyonce is so much more than a performer and a singer. She's a creator and an artist. When the radio said to speed it up, she went slower. He went on to describe seeing Destiny's Child perform as life-changing. Beyonce is also a role model for millions across the country. She stood up for voting rights, for feminism, for women and girls, for my community, the LGBTQ+. It is... A remarkable thing to have somebody stand up and honor the work of someone who is really standing out for all people everywhere. So I love that. Way to go, Beyonce. And, uh, you know, more, more good coming, more good coming. And from positive news, this is, uh, this is, <laughs> this is a great story. This woman stunningly beautiful. Can I tell you? Wow. She is a vision. So South Africa's Black Mermaid is changing ocean narratives. So why do so many people regard the sea as a white space? The first Black free, dive, free diving instructor in South Africa is on a mission to change ideas around who belongs in the water. Uh, when Zandil started scuba diving in her native South Africa, she was the only black person on the boat. Beneath the surface of the ocean, she had discovered the place where she felt most herself, an incredible world filled with wonder. But it was seen by her fellow black Africans as a white space. To the dismay of her family, her love of the water compelled her to give up her steady nine to five job to spend her life in a wetsuit as she trained to become South Africa's first Black African free, free diving instructor. My grandmother thought I was crazy. My whole family did, she laughs. I belong to the Zulu tribe and a lot of people say to me, why do you do what white people do? 
Well, through her work, she is determined to change the narrative of who belongs in the water and has launched the Black Mermaid Foundation to tackle what she sees as the main barriers to entry. In South Africa, from when you're young, you're told endless stories about why you shouldn't be in the sea. She says, whether it's stories about how our ancestors live at the bottom of the ocean or there being a big snake down there, these narratives live in our bodies as Black people. And, you know, it's interesting, the stories that we hear in our youth that really shape us as we move forward. She believes it's also a legacy of apartheid when Black South Africans were forcibly removed from their ocean-facing facing homes and only allowed access to the dangerous beaches with huge riptides, as well as an inherited historical trauma of the transatlantic slave trade. You know, things like that, they impact us for generations. And, you know, it's important for us to come to understand that. So, Money also keeps many Africans from accessing the water. Uh, when I was growing up in Soweto, we had a pool nearby, but it was 50 cents to get in. And my mother just never had the money, she says. Proximity doesn't equate to access. And the ocean requires even more resources. To this end, through her foundation, she takes small groups of children from Soweto to spend a day at the ocean. The kids are all terrified when we get into the water. It's a wild terror. I feel there's a healing that needs to happen, she says, and that's why I enjoy teaching. To see the fear leave their eyes and the wonder fill their bodies. And this relationship with the ocean being built, it all happens over span of hours. The children learn about the ocean and the problem of plastic pollution and help to clear any litter they encounter on their trip. How cool is that? I'm allowing them to believe that this ocean belongs to them too. And it belongs to them. And if it belongs to them, they can protect it. They can become ocean guardians. That is a beautiful, beautiful story. And that woman is spectacular. I, I look at her face and I just, oh my gosh, she's so beautiful. I'm so excited to hear of somebody doing such remarkable work in our world. The ways we change narratives so that all of us can begin to live as one family, because that's truly what we believe here. Okay, one last animal story. 29 species have recovered enough in Australia to be taken off the endangered list. And this is a milestone. Wow. A large research project studying endangered species in Australia has tallied 29 recovered species, all animals that can be safely delisted from the country's endangered species list. This is really great news because sometimes we forget that all of us, whether it's plant life, animal life, human life, all of us actually coexist in an ecosystem that requires all of us to create the correct balance. And when we eliminate species, we create a disturbance. And so really, this is really great news. Uh, a large research project studying endangered species um, called the Australia's Protection and Biodiversity Conservation Act currently lists 446 species of animals in genuine need of per protection, but 29 of those are no longer in need. Among those critters are the golden western barred and eastern barred bandicoots, <laughs> western coli, the sooty albatross, the waterfall frog, 
Flinders range worm lizard. Well, oh, these are interesting names. Yellow footed rock wallabies, greater bilby, humpback whale, growling grass frog, hmm, Murray's cod, and others. Australia has been a focus of endangered species conservation for decades because so many of the animal varieties are found nowhere else. Invasive predators introduced and living here for decades, including fox and cane toads, have proven highly disruptive to the local wildlife uh, like bandicoots and bilbies. Wow, I'll tell you, we have to look at the balance that we're creating, the balance in the world, and come to terms with the fact that, you know what, we're all needed, everything's needed. Hi, Wayne, good to see you tonight. What what a night, what news. I am so grateful to spend this time with you, usually once a month. It makes my heart sing because, you know what, we can all use a little more good news. So great big thank you to the New Thought Media Network. Thank you to the positive news that we get from a couple of different places. And I just want to say thank you for tuning in and checking out a little bit of news that's worth listening to. Have a wonderful weekend, everybody, and know that you really are unique and special, remarkable in every way, and you do make a difference. Thanks for watching. Good night. Please help us say thank you to our organizational sponsors and donors, including the Hefferlin Foundation, Affiliated New Thought Network, International New Thought Alliance, Science of Mind Archives and Library Foundation, Center for Spiritual Living Denver, Center for Spiritual Living Midtown Atlanta, New Thought Philadelphia, Planned Happiness Institute, Summit Center for Spiritual Living, Center for Spiritual Living on the Lake, Unity Spiritual Center Kitchener, Ohm Center for Spiritual Living, Center for Spiritual Living North Jersey, Unity of Savannah, Center for Spiritual Living Seattle, and all of our individual donors and sponsors. Thank you for being a part of the New Thought Media Network. Please come be you.